Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Non-essential businesses in New Zealand must now close. All bars, restaurants, cafes, cinemas, pools, museums, libraries, playgrounds, any other place where the public congregate must close their face-to-face function. All indoor and outdoor events cannot proceed. In short, We are all now preparing as a nation to go into self-isolation. These decisions will place the most significant restrictions on New Zealanders' movements in modern history. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Imogene Takawingwa. I'm Dr Imogene Kelly, an audiovisual historian with Manatū Taonga, the Ministry for Culture and Heritage. And this is Kairo Tuitamiru, Inside the Bubble. As lockdown loomed and you gathered your whānau, your supplies, your nerves, we corralled a team of oral historians, grappled with technology and, digitally, found our way into 25 unique New Zealand bubbles to capture your Aotearoa as you made history. It was a journey all five million of us made collectively as we prepared. And so my sister went crazy and bought so much cans and she became the panic shopper. And I became the wingman to the panic shopper. We cared. I'm working part-time nursing. The first two weeks Mm. was very scary because we didn't know what was going to happen within the hospital. And we moved. Particularly... Going on lots of government-mandated walks outside. And... I see a lot of older people, people who look to be in their 70s and 80s, who I don't think you would normally see out on bikes. And we learned... Uh, and I tried to learn guitar. I learned three songs during the quarantine. And we have four guitars in the hostel, so that was perfect opportunity. We kept the homeschool thing happening. We made marshmallow putty and we did painting and uh, we exploded volcanoes. And even though we couldn't be together, we connected. I'm encouraged by the goodness of humans. I think there are the silver linings of connection and us seeing the best that we can be and caring for ourselves and our neighbours. And now we remember In this episode, we'll look back at how we cared for ourselves, for those around us, and for those we couldn't be around. If community transmission takes off in New Zealand, the number of cases will double every five days. 
If that happens unchecked, our health system will be inundated and tens of thousands of New Zealanders will die. The stark words of the Prime Minister two days before we headed into full lockdown. A scary thought for all of us, that if things got really bad, we might be turned away from overflowing hospitals, maybe even left to die. But what was that message like for those who'd really be in the front line? Those whose bubbles were not just themselves, or a clutch of their nearest and dearest, everyone they came into contact with as they stepped out to work at a hospital, a clinic or a testing station in a doctor's car park? How did they keep their own families and homes safe from the invisible threat? Well, at the beginning there was definitely about social distancing, what do I do? Do I stay in another room, etc.? And that, I guess that's fears lots of health professionals feel when they come back into their bubble. That's Liz. Um, She's a nurse in the community, so her job involves going into other people's homes and rest homes too. Probably, you know, 9 to 11 patients a day. They are mostly people over 60, and it's it's close contact work, dealing with with wounds, with catheters, with um, people who are dying with. It's a real, it's all close contact work, so there's no way you can social distance with that work. Liz had to go to some lengths to make sure her family bubble wasn't contaminated when she came home from work. Really, it was a matter of coming home, and so I just leave my shoes outside. I um, come up, I just get my uniform into a different place from the other washing. I get my shower, I wash all my uniforms separately from everything else. So I just kind of had this routine of just changing how I even launder my clothes and just making sure that I showered before. (laughs) getting back into my other life, I suppose. And her work itself took a lot of reconfiguring. While a lot of patient visits in clinics around the country were using phone or video calls, that wasn't really an option for most of Liz's patients. It's too hard. They're not a generation that would be able to send a photo in, you know, of a wound or something like that. And to be honest, it became so structured it was just as easy to go and do the visit and, and, and deal with it from there. And it wasn't just patients and her family at home she needed to look out for. I have a dad in a retirement village with his partner and um, they were very mindful of not going out, of, you know, out of the apartments. They were quite strict and that was good. They needed to be. So from a distance, she kept an eye on him, made sure he was OK. It's a bit weird. Every now and again we go for a walk and I'll stand on the corner and ring him up and say, come and wave to me. And so he waves to me from his balcony. <laughs> and we have, a chat on, we have a chat on the phone, but at least I get to see him. We can probably all think of someone we had to care for. In my case, my husband Jay and I were there for each other. And like Liz, I had an elderly dad to think of too. But when I listened to the recording our oral historian had captured with this woman, I was blown away. Kia ora, my name is Titi Hoya Keelan. I am from Tuhoi in Ngātipurau. I am a lash and brow tech, and I live in Manirewa, Auckland, and that's a little bit about myself. Titi Huia is a wife, a mum to five kids, and she runs her own beauty salon business. You know that saying, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it? Well, I reckon Titi Huia is that person. Her bubble was huge, complex, and unrelenting. But when it comes to caring for her whānau, she's unrelenting too. 
Here's how her lockdown unfolded. So, first up, her beauty business had to shut. Um, there was so many things going through my mind, like how were we all going to cope? When it's business as usual, she often works on 10 to 12 clients a day and sometimes doesn't finish at her salon until 1 o'clock in the morning. The government help she got was nowhere near what she can normally earn in a day. So money got really tight. Because it was hard, you know, you're so used to um, getting everything that you need and you want. And then during the whole lockdown period, you got to prioritise what's really important on your little budget that you had. Um, I think, how much was I getting from the government? Because my rent alone is $700 a week. And the amount... And the amount I was getting from the government wasn't even that. So, you know, it was it was really difficult because we had to prioritise, oh, what's important? The power's important. The water's... Because up here, we've got to pay for the water. And I'm like, the water's important. Um, so, you know, the food was covered because I did a big-ass shopping before the whole thing. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's covered. And then the rest would go towards the rent. And then her bubble unexpectedly expanded from just her family of five to... Uh, 13. Technically against the rules, but needs must. She had to look after her whanau. Um, so the truth is, is um, all the parents to those children were drinking throughout the whole lockdown. And I didn't like the state that the parents were in. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to take your kids. I'm their auntie. I'm yes. the one, if I see the kids, you know, not in a good space, I'll take your kids. She's got a bit of a rep in her family. Yes. I'm the auntie that saves everyone. Because? Someone has to be responsible. But how do you manage physical distancing with 13 in the house? Oh, we definitely didn't keep our distance with the kids. I mean, it was really hard. Um, And I'll tell you something. um, The police actually came over while those kids were here. Like, I think one of the neighbours must have called up and was like, hey, she's got heaps of kids over there. Because, you know... um, it was still a bit sunny around that time, so I always let the kids go outside. Um, and the police actually came over and and they were like, oh, you know, you got too much people here. And I was like, yeah, yes. I understand. But I told yes. them the situation, you know. At first, they were, um, you know, oh, you need to take the kids home. But then after I told them the situation, they were like, oh, you know, um, it's good that you've done what you've done. Yes. And I was like, yeah, because would you rather these kids look after themselves and they're all under the age of eight, actually, all of these kids. So would you rather them look after themselves or would you rather someone come and take them in? So they understood where I was coming from in that area. Dealing with 12 children and the disruption to normal life was a struggle. Especially with my autistic daughter because she loves routine. Um, And if everything goes out of whack around her, that's when the rest of us fall. And while she was taking on extra caring responsibilities, the help she usually relies on for her daughter disappeared. No, I had no services, nothing at all available to me for my daughter. Like, and my far no, because my family, they live far away from me. So it was really hard. Um, like none of them could be here for me. Usually I have a lot of help. Like my sisters will travel from wherever they're from and they'll come and help me, but because of the restrictions, there was no help at all. Did you ever get that feeling amid the chaos of lockdown of, help, where are the adults? I can admit to maybe feeling a bit like that at times, 
but I seriously doubt that thought even crossed Titihuia's mind. Thirteen meals to make three times a day, thirteen sets of clothes to wash, and twelve children to keep occupied. How did she cope? I think it's because I'm, I'm used to it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm growing up um, with my nan and, like, helping my nan out. Because my nan is the type, like, she'll go look after the elders, so me and my sister will be with my nan. And, you know, we were used to the whole making big kai and everything and taking it around. We were used to helping out the elders with their washing and everything. It's just a normal thing. I'm Dr. Emma Jean Kelly, and you're listening to Kairotui Tamiru, Inside the Bubble, a collection of oral histories recorded during the 2020 nationwide COVID-19 lockdown. Lockdown. Here's a dictionary definition. A temporary condition imposed by governmental authorities in which people are required to stay in their homes and refrain from or limit activities outside the home. But what if you were one of the estimated 50,000 New Zealanders who don't actually have a home? We work with people that are homeless, people that live in shelters and cars, off the grid in the bush, um, are living in overcrowded situations. Uh, We were very concerned for their lack of housing stability. Uh, So we knew there was hardly any supply, and so we saw it as our responsibility to get things up, as, up and running as quickly as possible to get that whānau into hotels or motels. That's Elizabeth Cassidy Nelson. She's the chief executive of 155. It's a community organisation in Northland that helps homeless people find somewhere to live. It also runs support services like free cooked meals, legal help and a food bank. The requests for food parcels increased threefold. Uh, the organisation works with the most vulnerable and what we're seeing at this time is vulnerability levels have risen considerably. People have lost 20% of their income, people have lost their jobs, Uh, people are struggling to survive. And so, of course, our community is that much larger now. So our ability to manage and support those additional families. Um, So we were pretty thin on the ground and working significant hours in order to meet those needs. During lockdown, people across Aotearoa used to rough sleeping, living in their cars or couch surfing, were given somewhere to stay. For the first time in decades, only a handful of people were reported as being homeless. Some families pulled together to get a roof over their heads. I'll start with a sad story. That is dropping off a food parcel to a whānau with 22 living in a two-bedroom house. And I'm just really concerned for the conditions in which they're living in and that they have no other options. But there's a button that. But when I drop this food parcel off, they, oh, I, I saw these beautiful, smiley little faces um, waving out the window, excited about the food that was about to arrive in their doorway, you know. So their experience and their picture for themselves, it still looked like a good one. But in terms of rights, I want to see those families having their own home. We've placed over 56 
from people in, into motels. Uh, we'll be doing another another 13 more and hopefully more in the next two weeks. Elizabeth says the urgent action taken in lockdown showed that we actually can solve most of the problems of homelessness when we have to. I think all forms of communication have stepped up. So, you know, with physical distancing, we absolutely have been on the ground in communities doing that face-to-face stuff because you kind of have to. But in terms of teams and working alongside other organisations, absolutely digital technology is where it's at. And the world that we're learning now is the world we need to maintain in terms of instant communication and being able to work together. It's been a highlight, I guess, of this time is that everybody's getting on board and we're connecting much more regularly. And through that, I'm seeing a real true collaboration, collective action across organisations that we haven't quite had before. And while caring for the homeless during lockdown was at times difficult and heartbreaking, for Elizabeth and her team, the upheaval did bring some unexpected positive change. Ironically, there are lots of blessings that come out of these situations. The biggest one, of course, is people are getting homes. And after this, they're not going to get buffed out. They're going to have somewhere to live. That is the biggest blessing of all. I'm Dr Emma Jean Kelly, and that was We Cared, our second episode for Kei Roto Itamiru, Inside the Bubble. The series was written and executive produced by Teresa Cowie. Sound was designed and woven by Anaru Dalziel. Our production coordinator was Georgie Keyes. And the music was by Stephen Payton. The lockdown oral histories you heard in this episode were recorded by Tuara Tiniira, Debbie Dunsford, Jackie Keelan and Alex Mason. Our thanks to Manatu Taonga, the Ministry for Culture and Heritage, Auckland Libraries, especially Sue Berman, RNZ for the News Archive, and of course to those who shared their bubble with us, Liz, Titi Huia Keelan and Elizabeth Cassidy Nelson. Ngā mihi nui kia koutou. If you want to listen to their full interviews, head to the Auckland Library's website and search for Inside the Bubble. In the next episode, we'll look back at how we learned. Remember this? So you have... Sorry, you go. No, you go. Or maybe something like this. What was kind of happening there? Oh, can you hear me? Did it... (laughs) Uh, The baby just muted me. Um... (laughs) Join me again to remember that unwelcome crash course in technology. Ka kite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.